This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in episode 29, I interview Brisbane runner Callum Davies. Cal has got to be an elite Australian runner to watch. Only in his early 20s, he is still massively on the rise, particularly in the events between the 1500 metres and 5000. Attending Villanova College as a boy, Cal was a strong runner in school, but certainly not breaking any kind of records. After his first few years of leaving school, he dropped his 1,500-metre time by over 10 seconds to be around the mid-340s. He can now run as fast as 3.37 in this event, 3.56 in the mile, a sub-8 in the 3K, and 14.11 in the 5. Having an exercise science background, it was also very insightful to discuss all things training and technique with Cal as he opened up about his upbringing and experiences as now a Puma-sponsored athlete. That audio has worked straight away. That's great. How easy. That's good. <laughs> Hello. Cal Davies, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, mate. Uh, it's a Monday afternoon. It's uh, the 12th of the 12th at 1.30 p.m. For me, it's teacher holidays, actually, second week of them. But what about you? What have you been up to today? Uh, not too much. Just went for my run this morning and then um, just kind of relaxing the rest of the day. Yeah, okay. So I scoped out your Strava before jumping on here and had seen nothing there this morning. So Strava is something you don't use all the time? Not, uh, I use it to track my training for myself, but like I do a lot of my running like in the forest or whatever and like the GPS just doesn't work. So I've got got my loops I know that are like, you know, an hour or 50 minutes or whatever. And then I'll just do that to kind of, I'll use my watch, like track the distance and then I'll just not make it public or something. Yeah, okay. Is Monday pretty standard for you in terms of routine? Yeah, just 50 to 60 minutes every Monday morning. Yeah, running that to feel or is that a certain pace that you target for those those uh, recovery runs? Uh, completely to feel. Like I, yeah. I don't even look at my watch. Um, in the past, like I didn't even use a watch. Like I knew my loop would be 12K, 13K or something. But now um, Carlos just wants to, well, my coach just wants to see it. So I use a watch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Hey, I wanted to start by asking you about uh, these Australian marathon records because you're you're a runner who targets predominantly the fifteen hundred, three k, and five k. Were you at all following the the records or those particular marathon events a week ago? 
Yeah, um, we're actually watching it on the live stream at home. Um, Dad had the the Fukuoka stream up, and you know, couldn't understand a word being said. But um, <laughs> I kind of he called me up and said, "Oh, Brett's coming into the finish." So I I, I ran upstairs, and <laughs> that was that was good to see because um, yeah, I'd found the live stream for him, and then he was just watching along, and then um, the Valencia stream was that night, I think, um, and a couple of hours later. So that was that was good. We were kind of watching that the kind of the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, so many good runs, hey, even for the winners uh, away from Brett and uh, Sinead, obviously, with the Australian records. But it was an amazing day for running in general for the marathon, hey? Yeah, yeah. Now, this year for you has been fantastic. So you've recorded a 1,500-metre PB, mile PB, 5,000 on the track PB, and then Noosa Bolt saw you 5K road PB as well. Is that is that all correct? Yeah, and I guess... An unofficial 800 PB if we count the last two laps at the National 1500 final. I, I ran a 800 PB. That obviously doesn't count. <laughs> oh, really? You didn't break 150, did you? Uh, I think it was like 150.3 or 4 or something for my last oh. 800. Wow, that's smoking. So I guess the more recent events have been the 5,000 on the track and the Noosa Bolt. So how, how were your experiences across both of those? I was at the Noosa Bolt myself and I know that there's a lot of turns in it. It's very hot versus a track event where we can see there's a stark difference between your times. How, how was your experience on the road versus the track? Oh, I, I say it every year. I'm never coming back to Noosa because <laughs> that, that race is so hard. But I, I keep uh, get nine months down the track and thought, oh, no, I'll do Noosa again. And, um, but no, it's, it's a really hard race. Um, just the turns, you kind of you get up to speed and then you got to slow down and go around the corner like the the first corner you go around with the roundabout is okay but the one at the far end of the course with it's just yeah that's really tough and then hot wasn't as bad as last year um but and it was windy as well this year so it was um it was pretty tough <laughs> and then on the track how how'd you fare there was that a win down at runaway bay is that correct yeah yeah um like everyone says that track's not very fast because it's windy but i've run there think three times or four times and it's not been too bad like I guess it was a bit windy but like not compared to what I was expecting um so that was good and I think uh was Liam Burden in that race in second place and third yeah it was third yeah, and then Tim Vincent was third yeah yeah okay and he like he's been around on the scene for a few years now but I've noticed in the last six months to a year he's been a little bit quiet on the uh podium front uh, Tim yeah, or Tim, Liam? Yeah. He's um been focusing a lot more on the roads yeah. recently. Um so he ran that crazy fast half marathon, um, sixty one something. It was oh, ridiculous. Crazy. Um yeah. and then he I know he was a bit hurt not that long ago, so he's kind of just coming back now and he kind of jumped in state five K just as a fitness test, I think. Yeah, yeah. And were you pleased to see uh, like a number of fields there too in the men's for the 5,000? I was at the 10K uh, up at QSAC there in Brisbane and there was, uh, being the 10K for various other reasons, there was only one heat and I think there was four or five in the... Yeah, I think there was five at the State 5K, which was great to see. Didn't expect that really, Um, but it's, it's great to see that many people rocking up on a Saturday evening down at Runaway Bay. Yeah, and the depth too. Like I think even within heat three and four, there's there was uh, guys running 
in the 16s where where I run at uh, at my very best being back there so the depth to me as well I was really impressed with um mm -hmm. I couldn't couldn't make it that weekend with a wedding so I was really annoyed because it looked fantastic but um if we get to a bit about you Cal before we get into the uh formalities of PBs and achievements too we've just listed off mm -hmm. a few but we haven't looked at times yet I guess you're you're sort of in between some of these really young superstars who are like, you know, 17, 18, 19, I think you're 22 this year or next. Is that right? Uh, 23 this year. 23. Yeah. Uh, and on the other end, that's sort of like um, the Rainers, the, the McSwains, a few other guys who are in that sort of 25 to 30. And then of course, Brett Robinson being a bit older, but you're not necessarily on the up uh, as, a, as a new to the scene, you've been on it for a number of years. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it's going to progress in the next few. Uh, but what about other things around like where you live and that kind of thing as well and where you train? Uh, so live in Brisbane, um, in Mount Gravatt East. So just kind of inner southeast, I guess you could call it. Um, do most of our sessions, well, during winter at least, is out at UQ, um, just on the river trail there you know that's what we do our thresholds and kind of base training intervals um then hills on a saturday kind of changes up depending on what we need um usually it's in tui forest but if we need something a bit longer some we sometimes go over to tuong um but recently our track sessions have been at qsac just because uq is being yeah, resurfaced yeah. Yeah. yeah i've seen that so who's who's your coach and the the runners that you're actually training with at the moment cal uh, so Carlos Birmingham is my coach, um, Nick Bidot, my manager. Um, sometimes confuses people how that, that works. Um, and then training group at the moment, I guess officially is um, Jack Bruce and Jude Thomas. Um, but we have a couple of guys who come in when they're healthy or need a track session or something. Um, so like Ryan Gregson and Jen will, I think they'll be back on Tuesday for the first time in a while which will be good um and then so yeah liam bood and tim vincent uh jump in occasionally as well yes yeah, so this is a quite a different group to like the the likes of aiden hobbs and and the young gus gannon out there and a few others i know who do train along that particular that uh dirt trail there that's a different group entirely is that right yeah that's um pat clohese's yeah although i do long run with those guys on a sunday yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, you may as well use them. Uh, and I've seen you repping a UQ singlet and apparel before. Do you have you studied there, or are you studying there at the moment? Yeah, I did my undergrad degree at UQ, um, also on the club committee there. So, um, you know, when I was able to, would wear that whenever I could. Yeah, and what did you study? Uh, exercise and sports science. So I graduated end of last year. Oh, so I guess the big question is: Are you working now out in that field this year? Uh, no, I took um, a couple of months off at the start of the year just to kind of focus on running, see what I could do in the domestic season. And then thankfully had a, a good enough domestic season that I was able to sign a professional contract with Puma, um, which meant, and I went overseas to Europe as well, um, which meant I didn't have to find work straight away. I was kind of able to live the dream, I guess, um, overseas and, um, you know, being paid to run as pretty cool. <laughs> um, so then next year, hopefully I'm starting my post-grad degree at UQ, um, but just waiting to hear back about that. 
Yeah, yeah. And what are the plans then moving forward? What's sort of the dream job in terms of the in that that sciencey exercise kind of realm? Not entirely sure. I'm hoping to start my PhD next year, so that combined with running basically is a full time job. Um, so I've always been interested in kind of the research area um, and more, and more like the performance side of things rather than clinical. Um, so I think the next four years will give me a good opportunity to kind of narrow it down. But yeah, high performance sport of some kind would be fantastic. And I noticed too, uh, Jude Thomas has Puma behind him as well. Is he the only other uh, runner within your closer group that uh, with, is with Puma? Yeah. So um, Jude and I with Puma. Oh no, the Gregsons are with Puma as well. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And then uh, Brucey's with New Balance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, if we turn it a bit here to family, have you got family in the scene in Brisbane? Yep. Uh, Mum and dad in Brisbane. Um, yeah. Grew up here. So, well, dad grew up central Queensland, mum, Sydney, and then Harvey Bay. So they moved down here for the uni and then stayed put. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And um, I've recently taken up a job at Churchy as the head coach there of the cross country and track running but the hardest thing for me is working out the young like the early 20s guys uh if they went through gps school so did you attend a gps school in brisbane or somewhere different uh i went to villanova college oh um, so I, I, I I see. yeah yeah nice and local to churchy though <laughs> yeah well, the next uh old boy maris college so oh yeah many uh years before you though <laughs> <laughs> and how are you feeling time otherwise mate you're pretty busy with the running and uh and studying and stuff or is there any other things that people might not know about Cal Davies? Um, not really. Um, it's been a pretty relaxed year, I guess, this year. Last year was hectic because I was doing my prac for uni, so I was working, you know, 30, 40 hours a week for eight months and then trying to train as well. Um, and that work was unpaid, of course, getting my <laughs> accreditation and stuff. So that was pretty hectic, which is why I was keen at the start of the year to kind of just give myself a couple of months to focus on running completely and then um, head overseas for a bit, which is, which is awesome. Excellent. Yeah. We'll come back to the Puma stuff and overseas when we sort of rewind back to the start of, of uh, your life and back to then. But uh, for now, let's get to these PBs and put some times to them. And you alluded to the 800 meters. If we're including that back end of that 1500 as a PB, depends who you ask, I guess. Um, 151. Oh, oh, yeah, I don't properly claim it. Yeah. <laughs> not an official. Yeah, 151.13 at QSAC uh, in the 800 two years ago. But I've got an inkling you, it looks like you haven't sort of pushed that over that time period, run my, run many of the 800s. Is that is that right? No. So I usually run like one or two a year. And that'll be at, at like state champs or something. Um, just not really my event at the time. I kind of thought I might be a bit more of a, 15.5 kind of guy the last couple of years. I actually started on the track with the 800 um, and then moved up a bit later. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. 1,500, 337 to 78, um, only, what, almost six months ago uh, over in Italy. One mile, mm -hmm. 156, uh, sorry, 356, not 156, 356.99, scraped under 357 and well and truly under the four-minute mark. Uh, in Ireland this year, mm -hmm. uh, si yep. in a similar month, well, July. 
375951, mm -hmm. scraping under the eight-minute barrier. Uh, last year in uh, February at Performance Centre. Is that Runaway Bay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are the state 3K champs last year. Yep. Yeah, okay. And then the five the five K champs this year, uh, as we discussed, fourteen eleven eighty eight, five K Noosa Bolt fourteen twenty four. I'd love to see you on the roads without that many turns and in cooler weather. <laughs> you have to do another one of those. And we'll talk about Bridge to Brisbane actually. I know you've won that a few times. And then the relay, four by four hundred, three seventeen <laughs> team three seventeen fifties on here on the IAA. That's a that's a funny one. Um, I didn't actually run that that relay. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> my bib ran in that relay, but I didn't. Um, I was we were overseas for World Juniors in 2018, um, and we had our kind of pre-major comp meet in Germany. Um, and the sprints coach asked Jared Clifford and I if we could jump in the four by four. So the two 400 runners who were there at the time could have a run out in a relay and practice their baton changes. And then Jared and I were going to run third and fourth. And he said, oh, you know, you can run 65 seconds. We don't care. It's just about Christian and Harvey having an opportunity to practice their baton change. I'm like, okay. I did my long run that morning, go out to the track and was in a world of trouble to run a 400. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but thankfully, one of the 800 runners on the team asked if he could swap in, like, five minutes after his 800. So as I was walking into the call room, I gave him my singlet with my bib on it and he ran under, ran as me, I guess. They didn't have time to change it to him. <laughs> so I've got a PB on there that I didn't actually do. Yeah, remains on the profile. What would you run at mm -hmm. 400 in? Have you broken 50 before? Um, Unofficially in a relay at uni games one year, uh, I think officially it's something like 50.5 at AIC. Back yeah. In the day. yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so a bit of speed there. Um, and in terms of achievements, so you sent these through, and I've the, the, it's really interesting actually. The RAAF profiles for those who haven't been on there much, you can search up so many things. Like I've got the top ten results for you personally in so many races here in front of me. PBs obviously are on there. Um, different accolades. You can bring up you versus somebody else. It's uh, it's pretty cool if you you know kind of a running nerd and like your stats. But you've said here to me um, four national junior medals, world junior finalists, 1,500 in 2018, 10 times Queensland Open State titles. So these are the 1,500, four of them, three of the five, two of the three, and an 800 in there, plus also six Queensland junior titles. I gather that's like the QA meets for uh, anyone under the open age group. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I just included like school sports ones as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then, yeah, Uni Games, which we haven't got to either, five Oz Uni Games champs. And that that's would go hand in hand. I've seen you in a few photos in an Aussie singlet. Is that what that would have been? Uh, Aussie singlet. Um, Aussie singlet was from World Juniors. I'm guessing you've seen the photos from. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, unfortunately, got picked once unofficially and then once officially for uni world unis and they both got cancelled so um that was unfortunate oh <laughs> uh, yeah I was, well, i'm reading yeah Oz, Oz uni games so that's with that's internally not mm -hmm. world yeah okay that makes sense and then the um bridge prison which we spoke about uh off air so to speak three of them 5k champ and i think that's been the last three years has that been consecutive? Uh, the last three times they've done it i think i've won it i think 
yeah. the gap year in 2020. Yeah. So you certainly race a lot. That's uh, is that something you you specifically think about or plan or uh, you know, some kind of complements the training you do. I think if people say the opposite that I I don't <laughs> race that much. Um, it's just I race the kind of important meets. I guess you'd you'd call them. So like I try and roll out for our state champs or you know, Bridge to Brisbane is a good one because there's there's nothing really around it. Um, that I'm that interested in cross country is not my favorite. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't tend to do that many races like our shield meets or whatever. Um, at least recently I, I did when I was younger, but, um, mainly now it's just kind of, I'll pick out, you know, five or six races domestically that I'll, that I'll do, um, usually trying to include some state champs in there and then a couple of ones interstate, um, and then focus on those rather than just having a hit out every weekend. Yeah, I guess when you put it that way, it's yeah making a bit more sense uh, because when we think of a, uh, fun runs like um, things like G to Jetty or Twilight events, um, what else is out there at the moment that you could do, especially even 5K, um, they don't seem to be on there. It seems You seem to be very devoted to the track and QA, which is good to see as well. So have you, have you done any of those sort of random events, that, fun runs at all? Um, I've been entered for Gold Coast Marathon and that's yeah. been cancelled, um, with in 2020. And then I don't know why I didn't do it last year. Maybe it was cancelled last year as well. I can't remember. Um, then, you know, I was thinking, you know, finish nationals this year and I might do some road races. And that's when I thought I might try 10K on the road rather than on the track. Just, I thought that might be a bit easier for the first time. Um, but then went end up going overseas. So didn't have the opportunity to run much on the road domestically. Um, and there's not really a point for me to travel down to, let's say, Tasmania for a 10K. It's just not my event. So you haven't done a 10K yet? No. Oh, yeah. actually, I, I did one when I was 11. So <laughs> I don't know if that counts. What time did you get for that? I think it was like 48 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that'd be interesting, but... Yeah, it seems that you've got the speed and the, that you've worked out that 15 to 5K is where you're at at the moment. And the hard thing with the 3,000 too, it's not as competed as well, uh, particularly mm. at the higher level. So that 15 and 5, I'm sure, is something you work towards as well. Uh, and we'll get to mm-hmm. the, you know how you're training as well shortly about how you cater for the shorter stuff there. But um, I wanted to get to... well. I guess out of the, that whole list there, what would you actually pick that you're, you're proudest about? Like, what do you what resonates with you the most? I'm not sure. I think my bronze medal at the national champs this year was probably my best race in terms of like the execution of it um, and like the quality of the field. Yeah, um, and like the quality of the field and 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 whatnot. Um, that's probably the best on paper um, in terms of like emotional. Um, I'd probably go 2018 Oz junior champs, um, the trial for world juniors. I got tripped in the heat um, and spent, you know, close to three hours in the medical room straight after the race, didn't cool down and, um, which just lost all this skin over the side of my body, had my pelvic girdle knocked out of alignment. Um, it was a, it was an impressive, I like literally did a flip 
and yeah, it was, um, there's a video of it if you want to find it. Um, and then the final was almost like 12 hours later the next day and warming up for that. Like I, I think I jogged for like 500 meters and did like two run throughs and I really didn't want to race the final, but, um, just went out there and gave it a crack and somehow managed managed to come second and get my place on the team to Finland, which was, I don't know how I did that looking back. Um, but yeah, probably that one or nationals this year. Yeah. And was that, so that, the, where, where was that? Uh, so the 1500 uh, opened national event, you were third. Where, where was that? Uh, Sydney this yeah. year, at the open right national up. champs. Yeah. Yeah. And who, who else was in that? Like who was ahead of you or behind you in that race? Uh, Ollie Hall won. Matt Ramsden was second. Oh, I was third. I think I've got a feeling Mick. I actually watched this. I watched. I would have watched it. And I think, I think Mick. Of course, seeing it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Mick Stanisek was fourth, and Jude Thomas fifth. I don't know who was after that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's ringing a bell. Uh, and we could, we could YouTube that, could we, to, to see a replay of mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Hey, let, let's get let's rewind a bit. Hey, to to. Where things started for you as as a kid? You said you were brought up in Brisbane. Were you born at, in, in a local Brisbane hospital then? Yeah, Marta Hospital. At the Marta. Yeah, okay. And um, what was life like for you as a little kid? Were your parents active or into running at all before you were? Not at all. Uh, <laughs> absolutely no running history, really. <laughs> um, I just played so much sport as a kid, like soccer, cricket, touch footy, Um just anything I could. Um, and oh, videos disappeared. I don't know. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, just play any sport I could. I just loved being outside and, um, I would win like our school cross country. Um, you know, it was like 1500 meters. I think it wasn't anything long. And then, um, getting to like grade five, I think is when it's all started. Um, our PE teacher, um, asked my friend and I if we wanted to go to districts. Um, we went, sure. I have no idea what that is, but we we went, rocked up to it, didn't know what it was, didn't know how far the race was. Well, they, they said it was 2K. We didn't know what that meant, yeah, how that would feel to run. No yeah. um, we did it, qualified through to um, to Med East, and then she, our PE teacher um, said, well, my daughter trains with the, with the squad up at QSAC on a Wednesday night. I think you should go along. So... Went along. That was Brian Chapman's group, Water Striders, and um, yeah, joined that squad. Trained with him for the next thirteen years. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Through your time at Villanova, you were with him. Mhm. Yep. Yep. So how how did the uh, beginning of Villanova look? Did you go straight into doing cross country athletics and have success there in the earlier years? Um, always did cross country. Um, I joined. I went to Villa in grade eight, so it had an intake at grade five and grade eight. Um, I went. Uh. Grade eight, um, always did cross country um, through primary school, I guess, since when it started. I, I would do track, but only like districts. Um, so once cross country was done, I was done. It was time for cricket season. Um, and I wouldn't train like over Christmas or anything. I'd have like six months of no running. <laughs> um, and then would do cross country for Villa and, and athletics, but I wouldn't do athletics representative wise until grade 10 i think um we'll just do aic yeah and we and we all like in the earlier high school years versus now even later we always a smaller shorter build 
Yeah. Oh, I was tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, I was really small. <laughs> Did that kind of sort of egg you on to, you know, prove people wrong or anyone that might've been like judging you for not being as built as some of these, you know, the, the man trials that stand out and particularly over the eight and 1500. Not really. Yeah. Um, I really didn't care. Um, there's some <laughs> photos and videos of me playing soccer back in the day, playing against people double my size and I'm pushing them over and side tackling them. Like I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a factor for me. <laughs> yeah. So later in high school then, what sort of times were you putting down on the track and any rep honors you had between say year 10 and 12? Not that fast. Um, I think my first ever state champs was in grade 10. I think I came second in the 800. Um, might've run like 201 or something like that. Um, I think I broke two for the first time in the 800 at Oz Juniors and like the under 17s or something maybe. Um, but like I wasn't very good as a kid. Like I, I would scrape into kind of a Med East team and might finish top 10 at state cross. But like I wasn't, I didn't make my first team until high school and that was through QA. So it was kind of that second Queensland team. Um, and then, yeah, went on to the, tried track after a really disappointing cross country season didn't really know as a thing and thankfully my mate convinced me to give it a crack rather than quit the sport um went there and went i have to run two laps how good's this <laughs> um and yeah first state champs came second i think went down to nationals a couple of months later and made the final in both the eight and the 15 finished like fifth or something which I went wow i've barely done this as a sport and I'm coming like top five at nationals. So I think cross country's done now. That's who cares? I'm now a track runner. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, wasn't running super fast in high school. Like I would train twice a week, three times a week, maybe, um, and not do any kind of easy running or jogs, just, just sessions. Um, and then I think my big breakthrough came in grade 12. I won the national three K um, champs and, yeah, keep going. <laughs> that kickstart and everything, hey? And then uh, mm -hmm. so we we compare the AIC athletics right now or even back when you were in it versus G the GPS to Brisbane comps that are often spoken about and probably GPS in a stronger light. How would they compare? Because I know that there's often divisions too in AIC, whereas GPS tends to have one competitor per discipline. I think AIC at the top end, would be reasonably similar to GPS, but there's just less depth. So like your, your top two or three might, you know, they might be in the top five of GPS, but then the seventh and eighth at AIC are going to be a long way behind everyone else at GPS. If unfortunately, no disrespect to those runners. Um, yeah. I think GPS just has that depth that AIC doesn't. Yeah, and it seems like there's a number of them training outside of those schools too, particularly with uh, Jaden Russ of Brisbane Athletics. He's been on the podcast coming across mm -hmm. there with GPS guys and girls too from schools. So does that seem to be increasing as well in AIC that the, or, or when you went through for, for kids training outside of school? Yeah, like I barely trained with Villa. Um, I might turn up to like the pre-race session to run with the team, but um the coach, his son, I used to run with, with Brian Chapman's group. So he knew I was doing training or whatever. And he told me like, I don't need to bother coming to Villa training. Like I, I'm not going to be running with anyone there anyway. So um, yeah, I think 
unfortunately with AIC because there's not that depth, a lot of the kind of the, the top runners aren't really training with the school. They're training with a different squad outside of that. Yeah, it seems to be similar with GPS too, a challenge to have them there to build mm. that, that camaraderie with each other versus just letting them train with the, with the specialists outside. Um, so then once you sort of stepped outside of Villa in that, that first year or so, did you head overseas pretty quickly or was there time here in, in Brizzy racing around the, the running scene? Um, well, this year was the first year I went overseas for a, like a summer season in Europe. Um, like I went over for World Juniors, but we were with the team the whole time. So um, no, I've been based in Brisbane kind of my whole running career. Like I would go down to Falls Creek for two weeks. Um, that's it really. Um, like I think I just remember seeing like Matt Ramson running at the Oz Champs and qualifying for World Juniors and then going to, I think it was Poland and, and racing against all the people around the world. And I thought, I want to do that. <laughs> um, and kind of broke it down. Okay, if I want to get to that level, what do I need to do? Um, and kind of started upping my training. Like I actually started jogging on my easy days um, and whatnot. Like I still wasn't running crazy volume, maybe like 70, 80K a week or something. This first year? Um, yeah. 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 And then um, hit about three months out from what would be the trial. I went, wow, I'm not in the shape I need to be to run. 347.99 to get the time. So then jumped up to like 100K a week, which I would not recommend doing, but thankfully didn't get hurt. And yeah, I went up, like I improved a lot very quickly. So it's sort of 150 plus K within? No, 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 like 100, like oh, sorry. 100K. But I went from yep. like running 340, 352 to 346 in like a couple of months. Yeah, that's a hard um, thing too that I wanted to get into was that, particularly in 1500, we see a lot of runners. Um, if we go in the, in the way of talking about male or men run, uh, men in the 1500 who are sitting at that 350 mark in school, to drop it, you know, to get below that 340 mark seems to be so tough. And a lot of training, mm. both in volume and, and quality, needs to take place. And, and I guess maturity physically as well. Yeah, I think I only ran maybe 356 in school, maybe 355. Um, so I wasn't like breaking records or anything. Um, but I think I built a good base in terms of how consistent I was with showing up to sessions and being willing to kind of put in that work. I had a, a good couple of guys to train with three times a week and, you know, we'd be there three times a week for you know, 50 weeks a year basically at that point. Um, and then when I was able to, once I finished school and was able to kind of have a bit more freedom with everything, I think that mentality we had of just showing up every day really paid dividends because I was able to do that without having to make a big lifestyle change, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or a big ment like a mentality change. And who were you training with at that time in those first couple of years? Similar uh, guys or different? Um, so still Brian Chapman, but... Um, Two guys called Lachlan Cowley and Justin Curry. Um, I think Cowley still runs around a bit, not super seriously, but Justin quit pretty soon after school. Um, but like at the time, they were national medalists in cross country and on the track, so they were really good guys to run with. Yeah, okay. So that leads nicely into your training week now in terms of Monday to Sunday. And I guess a lot of the listeners on this podcast would probably be 
in the realm of more so like competing in 5k and above so it'd be interesting to really hear about what you do to cater for the shorter stuff um but then when yeah. you need to jump up to the five and i'm gathering in the next year or so the 10k how good training caters for those longer events particularly if we compare 15 to a 5k it's a, a fair bit different isn't it yeah um i think with melbourne track clubs and my, my group they we basically train like 10k guys year round anyway um so like monday i'll go 50 60 minutes jog just easy whatever pace doesn't matter um tuesday will be an interval session during track season that'll be on the track um then during winter that'll be just on the trail out at uq usually um and then wednesday an hour run same as monday uh thursday's a threshold session so the specifics change week to week, but kind of usually would be about 30 minutes of volume. It might be broken up into like two by 15 or could just be a straight 30 minutes. Um, Friday I've been taking off recently, um, just like completely off or maybe like a 15 minute shuffle. Um, Saturday hills <coughs> and the specifics change week to week. Um, sometimes it's like a hilly kind of tempo thing sometimes it's hill reps um whatever and then sunday 90 minute run yeah, and then hilly at all on the sunday i try i try and convince the guys to go as flat <laughs> as possible um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um but also do a 30 minute double run on tuesday thursday saturday as well at the moment oh that was my next question yeah see doubling up on the harder runs so kind of banking mm -hmm. the hard days and, and easy between them that seems to work for you yeah, I've hated doubles in the past. I know um, Carlos has had a bit of a fight with me <laughs> to try and get me to, to do them consistently. Um, I'm not a big fan of rolling out the door for a second run, um, but I think now that I'm fit enough to be able to do that comfortably, it's a lot easier, if that makes sense. Like when yeah. you're not at the <coughs> level where that's comfortable, that can be really draining on you. Yeah. Um, but Thankfully, now I'm at the point where I can kind of get that done without really worrying about it. And are they sort of very easy half an hour kind of length runs? Yep, yep. Um, again, don't look at my watch. It'll, you know, might be somewhere around 4.30s to 4.20s. Nothing crazy. Yeah, it's easy easy for you, not easy for others. That might be pretty quick for them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, total Ks then, about sitting around the 100 at the moment? Um, I think... Last week was 125 or something. Um, so we do like quite a long warm up and cool down with our sessions, so like 20 minute warm up, 20 minute cool down. Um, most sessions in, with those included will be about 18, 19K. Yeah. And then yeah. like another six and a half to seven in those afternoons and then 20K on a Sunday and about 14 Monday, Wednesday. So it usually works at mid to high 120s at least the last couple of months. Yeah, okay. And just back on the double runs, do you think there's a certain time you need between the morning session and afternoon to recover properly? Uh, I even see some yeah, of the high-level yeah. athletes uh, who do it full-time, almost like yourself. Runners, probably in the cooler areas, run as late as 9 or 10, but then are doing a double at 3 or 4. Like there's sort of five hours between. I think it depends who you are. Um, for me, I kind of need that long rest period even if it's just mental. Um, Cause like I go to the gym those days as well. 
So it's like I gotta come home from training, get something to eat, go to the gym, come back, and then I don't really want to be having to go for another run in like the next two or three hours. Like that's my worst nightmare. Um, so I think having that rest period for me at least has been pretty important. I know others don't need it as much, um, but yeah, for me, I, I like it. And you often find when you start the second job, set or second run on that day, that it can it can feel like a bit of a drag, and the muscles sore. And then by the end, you're like, "Geez, I'm a different person now. I'm feeling a bit better at the end of that oh, easy run." I feel about fifty starting every single run. So yeah. It's not really any different <laughs> to the other ones. Um, usually, it's just about getting it done without working hard. Like I just try and I want to finish the run and not think, "Wow, I had to kind of grind that out." Um, I just kind of try and zone out. I just do a couple of small loops near my house. So I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing. Just on cross training, is this cross training something you're doing during the week, particularly competing in those shorter events, anything like strength work or or cycling or swimming or stretching, anything different to running? Um, So I'm in the gym at least twice a week, sometimes three if I can be bothered, Um, but definitely two times a week doing weights, like resistance training. Um, that's been, I think, really important for me, just getting stronger over the last few years. Um, it's nothing nothing fancy. Um, but I don't cross-train at all um, unless I've had I'm a, got a bit of a niggle, which thankfully for me, the worst injury I've had in the last five years was a bit of hamstring tendinopathy in like August, September, which I still able to train through it like, I was still doing sessions and like hour runs. I just, I was replacing my doubles with a 30 minute elliptical for about a month. So yeah, okay. that's kind of the only cross training I've ever done. Yeah. It's definitely been lucky there. So let's talk about this uh, weight training because a lot of runners uh, get confused about doing high rep weights versus heavy and lesser reps for, you know, those more strength and power gains. So what sort of mm-hmm. things are you doing in line with that question? Um, so I've, I originally was doing less weight, lots of reps, um, kind of the high volume, low intensity, um, training, which I think was good initially. Like once you, when you first start resistance training, you're always going to see improvements. Like like, the specifics really don't matter. Um, but after a period of time, like it, it is more important to kind of dial in what you're doing and, um, so now I'm focusing more on the high, like high intensity, low volume kind of lifting or whatever. So like for a squat or a leg press or a deadlift or whatever, I'm kind of using the five by five, five sets of five um, program, which is like your very basic maximal strength kind of programming. Um, and then like other stuff, like, calf raises for example i don't really feel comfortable loading up my back with high enough weight or heavy enough weight to do that kind of intensity so i'm a bit more on the more reps less weight for that um but yeah and yeah you really pushing those sessions or is it more so maintenance um working pretty hard i think but i'm also taking the rest i need to so for like your max strength training taking three minutes between sets is pretty important. Otherwise you are going to be going to the well to do it. It's mm. like of the five sets, the fifth one's no harder than the first one. 
but the fifth rep is much harder than the first rep, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So um, that's all. It's almost like a neurological stimulus rather than a muscular. Um, I think, and just giving myself that rest period, I think, is really important. And I'm finding like I'm not pulling up sore at all. I'm not any more tired coming out of the gym than when I was going in. But I have seen like massive gains, like in strength. Like I've improved my squat something like. 30 percent in the last four months yeah and i was already relatively strong i guess so what sort of weights can you lift um so for single leg squat i don't have the range to get all the way down to a pistol squat but um i'll call it a three quarter to half squat um i think my right's about 125 and my left is about 115 um, so how do you do those is that on a um I'm forgetting your name of the where the weight's guided for you, or is it a uh, Smith machine? Dumbbell, Smith machine. Yeah, yeah. Is for a single leg squat, I'll do, yeah, use yeah. a Smith. I use a Smith machine just because yep. my yeah my balance isn't great. Um, and then for a calf raise, single leg, I'm up around 130, 140 on both sides. Yeah, as like a one rep max. What about just standing calf raises? A lot of like physios will prescribe calf raises to those with injuries or weaknesses <laughs> in them. And I've heard of certain like amount of reps that you should be able to do. Um, I've always struggled with them for, for one person out there. Like I struggled to even do 20 to 30 on one leg. Is that something that mm -hmm. you've looked into or learnt about or know at all if you can do far more than that yourself? Yeah. Um, so at uni, you know, the single leg um, standing calf raise is kind of like one measure of your calf and ankle strength. And I think, 37 was the gold standard for for guys. I can't remember what it is for women, unfortunately. Um, and during that, we would just kind of in practice, practice our kind of explaining and taking our clients through it. So we would kind of partner up. And I think back then I was doing like, I could do like 60 in a row. Um, not sure what I could do now, probably a lot more. <laughs> and is it 37 for injury prevention or for like high performance? That was just normative data. Yeah, so like okay. yeah. 37, I think, was like the top 95th percentile or something. Um, in terms of injury prevention, um, I think the gold standard is four to six, four sets of six um, with body weight and then 50% of your body weight as well for, like for a standing single leg calf raise. If you can do that, then your risk of injury for your Achilles and calf is like significantly decreased. Yeah, yeah. And what about plyometrics? Is that something you're doing? Plyometrics, um, for those who don't know, is the, the bounding, leaping, explosive kind of training. Is there anything anything like that in your program? Um, when I was overseas, I was doing box jumps, um, but the gym I'm at currently does not have boxes to jump onto. <laughs> so I've been doing some single leg kind of bound, or not bounding, uh, single leg jumps just forward. Um, but nothing crazy like none of the the bounding you might see people doing on the infield or anything like that like i'm pretty what's the word not fragile but like i don't get hurt doing the things i do usually but as soon as i try something new mm. <laughs> like everything kind of hurts a yeah. bit so i just kind of keep it simple yeah yeah so any other like you seem fairly strong there particularly for a, a smaller guy out there and, and we spoke earlier about and um, not always, but often in the eight and fifteen hundred, the athletes tend to be quite tall. 
Um, not big, but certainly at times more muscular than say a half marathon or marathoner. So is there anything else in the gym, anything like the, your vertical leap or anything that's kind of like an anomaly or that you think is a, is a strength or something that others might not know about that put you in a good position out there on the track? Um, my vertical leap is terrible. I know that from uni. Like it's, it's awful. Um, I, I don't really know why. Um, I think I have quite good muscular endurance. That's like how many, how long can the muscle function under, under strain before it starts like deterior, the function starts deteriorating. Um, so I think as a kid playing so much soccer and cricket, I've just like kind of built up that, they call it old man strength, but I think I built it up as a kid. Um, so I think just that has always been kind of one of my strengths. And then not really sure. I think the way I run, I utilize my tendon energy. This is getting pretty technical now. Um, I'd love to, love to so hear I, it. Go ahead. I think I utilize my Achilles tendon a lot so my calves have always been pretty strong so for those who might not know when your tendons stretch when you land or like you, you flex the muscles they can store energy and then can kind of rebound and release that stored energy which helps um with propulsion um so like the more energy you can store in your tendons the less force because you're absorbing the force of impact when you, your foot strikes you're absorbing that some of that energy into your tendons. And then if you can release that energy back out, you don't actually have to use as much energy through your muscles to push off and run fast. I hope that makes sense. Um, so I think my Achilles has been very strong for a while. Like I've had some Achilles tendonopathy years and years ago, but none for a long time. And I think I can store a lot of energy in it and then use that. So um, I think that's probably one of my strengths. <laughs> I mean, if, what about like stride length or cadence? Have you ever looked much at that? And if that's something that also assists you being uh, predominantly shorter than the other runners out there? Yeah, so I've got a very high cadence. It's, yeah. it's slowing down now. Like the stronger I get, the slower I get, uh, the slower my cadence gets. Um, um, it used to be, you know, 220 on like a, a really? faster run. Yeah, now yeah, it's race. going around. Yeah, and um, now it's like one very high 190s maybe 200 um wow. so it's like down a bit between the 15 and 5k not really my stride length increases um when i pick up the speed rather than the cadence so my, yeah. my feet don't move any faster but i'm striding out a bit more um so that's kind of the opposite of a lot of people i know um but where i was on prac last year um we had that was Foot Fault's Podiatry and Running Analysis Centre. I'll give them a shout out. They were awesome. <laughs> Justin there is a legend. So um, they have they had a treadmill with a full gait analysis system on it. So it would measure your, the forces through your foot. Um, landings had force plates in the treadmill and then they also had like a motion capture system. And we saw that I was striking the ground with a pretty straight knee. Um, which meant I was absorbing a lot of force through my tail tendon and my quads, which meant I didn't have to push off with my quads very hard. So I was um, not wasting much energy, um, which was good. 
to see. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they talk about overstriding. Firstly, that angle of the calf versus the thigh, like sort of coming mm -hmm. out and then heel down, and then also those who do land underneath their center of gravity at times still having too much of a, a bent knee. And it's not until you actually mm -hmm. slow down a lot of runners, you'll notice that, like you said, that it's almost a straight line, if not slightly back between that angle of the calf and the thigh to allow for that forward propulsion. So then is your foot strike pretty flat or up on, up on your toes? Um, my right is a bit more forefoot than my left, but neither of them are a heel strike. So midfoot predominantly, like I think, I was spending like 10% of foot strike with my heel touching the ground or something. It was really short. So predominantly midfoot. But I think just because I was landing directly under my hips with my foot, like it was almost impossible for me to heel strike. Yes, of course, like overstriding is not a great thing. But do you think the way you land on your foot is that relevant if you're underneath your center of gravity? I saw a video actually of uh, an African athlete the other week on Instagram talking about someone trying to sell, you know, over, not overstriding, heel striking wasn't a bad thing because this amazing runner, African runner was like landing very much his heel first, but underneath his center of gravity and still running a really good time over, I think it was within a marathon event. Yeah. So um, the, the big thing they've found through research is that trying to change your running style never really works. Um, like your body over time will kind of find the most economical way for you. And it takes a lot of work to change that and make that change actually beneficial. So I'm not sure I would recommend people trying to change things too drastically unless it's causing them, like it's, they're getting hurt because of it. Um, it's like heel striking, you're using different muscles. You know, you're not using your calves as much. You're going to be using your quads more. So if you suddenly switch to a, a forefoot or trying to lay more on your forefoot, then you're going to have a lot more impact through the, like the front of your leg, so through your shin and your calf, which you're not necessarily used to, which could lead to Achilles tendinopathy, could lead to shin splints. You know, it's it's a tricky one. Um, so I think, yeah, unless you're getting hurt, there's not a whole lot I would change for most people. Yeah, no, fair enough. It is definitely a tough space to be in. I've been there as a coach as well. I think something that I've personally thought about that will naturally change technique if if these things change is, that is where we started with this conversation, like stride length and cadence. Mm -hmm. If we can get that right, particularly those who overstride tend to have a ridiculously low uh, cadence. Say I've mm -hmm. noticed athletes at like 150, 60 steps per minute uh, and we increase that then we find that injury decreasing and perhaps technique changes happening there, but things like the way the arms swing, you know, the way the arms swing, I've seen many athletes differ so much. Mm -hmm. So do you think, do you think uh, the, there's a necessity to even look at things like the arm swing or do you think the stride length and cadence is something that could be catered for? I think upper body, you've got a lot more room for adaptation, I guess, because you're not really going to get hurt changing that. Um, so I think, yeah, if you've got a runner who's really uneconomical upper body, then certainly like change it. But again, it changes runner to runner. You look at the way the Kenyan women run compared to the Australian and American women, it, it's completely different. But if you try to get one to run like the other, it would 
be like wouldn't be beneficial. Um, so I think finding something that's not wasting energy. So you know, if the arms are going everywhere, their heads bobbing around, their shoulders are kind of rounding, yet try and get them maybe doing more core strength or whatever. Um, but just trying things, I guess. And then in terms of like cadence, I think that's a big one. So the slower your cadence is, the more force is going through your leg, just because you're you're spending longer in the air, you're you're having to push off more, um, you're, you're hitting, you're, you're having to break more because your your legs out in front of you. Um, so I think you know if your cadence is one fifty or one sixty, unless you're Jack Bruce who's six foot four, <laughs> um, it's probably a bit slow. Yeah, any idea what he the numbers he runs at for his his cadence? Honestly, he'd be in the one. He'd, I reckon he'd be in the one forty sometimes. It's it might look worse than it is, but surely it's, it's yeah. I would say no higher than one sixty, high one sixty. Yeah. Even. Yeah, watching him accelerate is quite funny. <laughs> uh, Stuart McSwain's like that too, hey, with the longer limbs. Yeah, but his his stride length is pretty short. Yeah, yeah, hasn't got that kind of backlift. Kind of sh- sort of shuffles along the ground, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, mate. So, uh, looking forward uh, to next year in twenty twenty three. What are your plans? Are you going to attend the? I think we've got the three k champs coming up, don't we? Early next year. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what my race schedule is going to look like after January. Um, I'll be doing the World Cross Country Relay Trial in middle of January, I think it is, down in Canberra. Um, and then I'm going over to New Zealand for a mile at the end of January. Um, but other than that, not really sure. Um, Athletics Australia released their calendar for the the summer season and there's not a single 1500 at any of the major meets which is I'm not sh- sure how much I want to say because I don't want to get myself in trouble, but that's atrocious. <laughs> um, like there's a mile in Melbourne and that's it. Um, and then no no 1500s at all for the men. Um, oh, I've got over... a question for that at the end of the interview. We'll, um, okay. <laughs> we'll leave that and you can choose what yep. if you want to take that out. Um, yep. So it's summer now in Brisbane. It's very, very hot. Like is your training changing at all or how much you're hydrating and eating running earlier in the mornings? Are you lessening your um, expectations within sessions and any was no races the next month or so, but are those things something that you're considering? Yeah. So we've been doing our sessions earlier the last couple of months. Um, It worked out that we had to anyway, just so Jack could get to work and, you know, Jude and I are, are happy to go out a bit earlier if it means we get to train with him. Um, so 6 a.m. warm-up, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday might be a little bit later. Um, I think that's that's worked out well to kind of beat the heat, though. Last year we were training at 7, and even that was mm. pretty tough. Um, with jogs, it's not as important, I guess. Like I'm, I don't really want to be running any later than 8, though, for like a jog. Um but yeah, just drinking a heap of water during the day. Um, I just kind of, I eat a lot, but I don't really think about it. It just, just happens. <laughs> so in terms of the hydration though, if we, if we be um, technical in any way about like uh, urine color, something that people talk about with hydration, like do you monitor at all your hydration or do you drink to thirst or just try and smash a whole lot of water after a session to make sure that you're hydrated and then continue that through the day? I always have a, um, like a Powerade or a Gatorade after a session. It's kind of nice. Get a bit of sugar in as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I've got a 
thing called orthostatic hypertension. So when I sit down for long periods, my blood pressure drops, um, which is worse when I'm dehydrated. And then I stand up, like all the blood rushes to my head, like my vision goes all spotty. I think it's pretty common with runners at least. Um, and you kind of feel dizzy. And I know when that happens, I'm like, oh, I need to drink a lot more water. Um, so that's kind of how I gauge it. If I can stand up after sitting down for a little while and, and feel good, then I'm doing the right thing. If not, I need more water. Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, I guess we'll uh, touch base uh, early next year and see what's happening with your running. Otherwise, we'll see on our QA, well, hopefully, any other results too. QA not putting on too many 1,500-meter events at this point in time. Let's get to some oh, no, questions. QA is Athletics QA Australia. Is Athletics Australia. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's get that right then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listener questions. Are you ready to go? Sure thing. This guy's come up in the interview. It's Gus Gannon. And he mm -hmm. actually, I posted his question on Instagram. Did you see that earlier? Uh, was that yesterday, last night, even? No, I didn't see that. He's asked what what prompted the Karate Kid headband look for for Cal Davies. Um, I always used to wear a hat in races and training. I still wear a hat in yeah. training. Um, and then I don't know. Like I, I thought Rafa Rafa Nadal looked pretty cool. And thought, you know what? Why not? Let's try it. The um kind of one that you, the headbands you don't tie up. They kind of made my head stick up. So I thought a, a tie up headband might work. And it took me ages to find one actually. Um, yeah, just I don't know. Change up from a hat. Yeah, purely to hold the hair back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know Seamus Graham? I don't know who that is. He he asked a question I on Instagram. I sure, I sure do. I sure do. <laughs> random, very random question. Uh, favorite yep. Pokemon. Oh, um, oh, Torterra. There you go, Seamus. What is it? I've got no idea. Torterra. Okay, that means nothing to me, but for those who no. are into Pokemon, it means something to him. Yeah, for him, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brendan Press, I know who that is. Uh, he's still out there training, Brendan. Hasn't been out mm -hmm. on the race scene for a number of years. No, he's had a few injuries just at really bad timing. Like, he'll come, he'll get back, and he'll be almost ready to race and then something else will happen. So um, you know, I run with him most Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. He's asked you about your favorite. What's your favorite sandwich? Favorite sandwich. <laughs> Ooh. A turkey toasted sandwich, turkey cheese and spinach, I reckon. Yeah. Nice one. All right. We'll finish with some of my questions, mate. You ready to go? Mm -hmm. These will be pretty quick. Uh, current shoe rotation for all types of training or races, what shoes are on your feet? Um, so as I said before, I'm sponsored by Puma. So um, for most of my jogging, I'll use the Puma Magnify. Um, and then the Velocity Nitro 2, I think the current version is as well. I'll use that one for trail running or like gravel and then the Magnify for any kind of concrete I'm running on. I just find um, that extra cushioning is nice. And then for training, I use the Deviate Nitro Elite 2 or 1, 2, I think, for my like, intervals. And then just this Puma Deviate without the Elite um, 2 for all my like threshold and hills. Excellent. Uh, Favourite jogging or long run location? If you're not on the track, where do you like to run? Um. Tui Forest is really nice because it's local to me. Um, I had There's a forest I used to run, run out a lot more, less so now because it's, it's pretty hilly. Um, it's Burbank. So it's in Burbank. It's like, do you know where Daisy Hill is? Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, so like the north side of Daisy Hill, if you cross the road, there's like another forest the same size as Daisy Hill, which not many people know about. Um, so yeah, that was a really good place to run. Unfortunately, a bit hilly now, but um, yeah, same same with Tui Forest, though, right? Pretty hilly. Tui's not too bad. Um, if you stick, I just kind of run lots of laps around the flattish, yeah, or flatter sections. Like if you go off the ridge, yeah, then yeah, it's like a bloody mountain. But if you stay up. <laughs> up the top it's it's not too bad yeah um what about uh moving forward like five ten years away do you ever see yourself in the in the half or full marathon event um i think i'll run a uh, run a marathon at some point whether it's serious or not not sure it was first first threshold i did in london this year with Collis on the bike next to me i finished it and i was Collis goes you're never going to be a marathon <laughs> So not sure if I'll ever do that seriously. Um, maybe the 10K in a while, but yeah, no no plans. All right. What's what's your greatest asset, do you think, on the track, but also your weakness? What's something you might need to improve on? I think my speed's pretty good. Um, that's something I worked on a lot when I was younger, um, and I think that's allowed me to not focus on it as much now. Um, kind of it comes back pretty quickly. Um greatest weakness definitely my kind of aerobic strength like i i still struggle with it like i'm getting there i'm better than i was but like i still find those long hard reps hard um like i'd much prefer something lactic over that kind of like gut busting (laughs) aerobic work yep yep uh biggest running rival over the years um oh not really had them really as young when we were young everyone was kind of pretty friendly i guess now it'd be adam fogg i guess even though we don't race each other anymore <laughs> we did when he was in australia yeah we said off there that yeah yeah obviously running in very similar events very similar times too i think he's got you only by a second or two in the 1500 would that be right 337 i think he's at now yeah, I think we're I think we're literally like I'm sorry, you're, you're three thirty seven as well, aren't you? Or three thirty? Yeah, I think yeah. I think I might be like point one faster or something. Yeah. And then he's like about the same in the mile. Like it's pretty close. Oh, it's hilarious. Hey, uh, last questions back where we we were about fifteen minutes ago on AA or QA. What's what's in your opinion the pros and cons for those at the moment? And if you need to be clear at all between that AA and QA, then mm-hmm then go ahead um hmm, give me a second (laughs) i think qa does a really good we'll start with qa i think qa does a really good job of offering lots of meets over the season that people can do um like usually the meets will have like distance wise i'll either have an eight and a three or a 15 and a steeple it's like you really only waiting two to three weeks before you can run that's so you could run an 800 one week, a 1500, you know, a week and a half later. So I think they're doing a really good job of offering lots of opportunities for especially school kids to kind of get out and have a run on a weekend. Um, if I'm going to say a con for them, run the distance events more at night, please. Not at mm. like three in the afternoon mm. in February. <laughs> it's just a little thing. <laughs> I know we'd all appreciate. Um, AA. Pons not running any 1500s at the track classics <laughs> this year. Um, I think that's, yeah, I, I can't believe I saw that and I thought that must have been a typo. Like we've just won the Com Games in that event 
and now there's not a single one. I, I don't know. That's not great. Um, pros, I think they're doing a really good job at the moment of kind of marketing the athletes and getting mm-hmm. the public or at least the athletic community on board with the athletes competing at a high level. I think there's the way they've kind of marketed a Pete Bowl, for example, is fantastic. Like he's now an ambassador, not just like for, just, you know, within the athletics community, but, you know, around Australia, I think is, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great insight. And you're, Definitely uh, amongst the QA and AA on the track and uh, in various ways. But yeah, that, that concludes the interview, Cal. So much appreciated to have you on here. And like I've just said, yeah, your involvement in that area is obviously pretty strong. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to how you, you fare over the next couple of years, particularly as you press on to the 5 and 10K a bit more as well. And uh, much appreciate also your knowledge around all that the medical and exercise science stuff we discussed with running technique and and training so thank you no problem thanks for having me if you enjoyed this episode or the podcast in general please jump onto spotify and give the show a rating much appreciated thank you